Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel, and this is the show where I get to talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and everything that happens in between. Today, very cool show. We have a twofer. We have Colin Reno, co-founder and chief product officer, and Ryan Fleming, co-founder and CEO of Athleticus. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? We're doing great. Doing well. Happy to be here. It's a good day to be alive, isn't it? That's, That's right. right. Exactly right. <laughs> Aren't they all? And you're in your new studio, so I'm very grateful we get to put it on video so everyone can see what you guys are rocking with. Uh, appreciate it. Looks like you got a whiteboard in the background. That's really all we need, honestly, a table, a whiteboard, and some internet. And we're pretty much good to go. So very excited to have this conversation to talk about Athleticus a little bit from each of your points of view, where the idea came from, what exactly it is. I think it's such a cool product, and I don't want to sell it short, so I'm obviously going to let you guys sell it for yourselves. But, Colin, we'll start with you. Uh, the first question I have for everybody, and don't worry, Ryan, you're going to be getting this question as well, is why do you love sports so much? Why do I love sports? Uh, it's almost like why do I love water? Uh, but I will tell you that sports are just an, it's just a part of my life that I can't live without. It's uh, You can't separate the two. I've been involved with sports since I can remember. I played every sport on earth. I kind of fell into uh, more of the contact sports of football, wrestling, lacrosse. Uh, it just kind of, uh, it was a natural, uh, natural for me to just kind of get to those. Um, but kind of, uh, again, fell in love with the competition, the ability to, that the team is, is filled with people who have different skill sets and each skill set kind of goes together. And then we try to compete against a, a similar team and, uh, you know, against a level uh, playing fields. And honestly, it's just been a passion of mine to the point where I got involved with professionally as a strength coach for a number of universities and it's kind of carried me through. So Again, for me, it's hard to separate the two out just because it's such a passion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I'm right on that front, man. It's uh, It's been something since I was a young age, right? Like just driving in the car. I right. just remember my mom would put on the Mets games. She'd get angry, of course, because the Mets lost. But yeah. I mean, it's just always been so much fun and really just being able to kind of have that conduit my entire life. And yeah, as you said, you know, the competition aspect you know, your strength versus someone else's. I mean, like, I, I always felt like strength and speed are like the two most primal, I guess, human in, like uh, attributes, where it's, am I stronger than you? Yes or no. That's how we know how this fight's going to end. Am I faster than you? Yes or no. That's how we know this race is going to end. So I think that that's really interesting. And I definitely want to touch upon your um, your background a little bit with the, the strength coach at a couple universities. But Brian, I want to hop over to you for a second. Same question. Why uh, Why do you love sports so much? Yeah, I think you, the, the first thought that comes to mind when you ask that question is I just love the competitiveness. You know, I, I love the competition. I've always loved it. And I think a lot of that's just been influenced just by you know, like my childhood and early life. I mean, my, my life revolved around sports and it was something that my parents kind of ingrained in us. And I have three other siblings and I think our, our parents like to kind of pawn us off in the summers because we would be forced to do swim team. And um, I, I would do that. I'd go into football and soccer in the fall basketball, then lacrosse. And that was kind of, that was my childhood, you know, and that evolved into playing high school football. I was a quarterback and and I played uh, lacrosse and I was lucky enough to earn a division one scholarship, you know? So uh, it's it just been such a, a focal point of my life. It's been part of my identity that, you know, I've obviously I've loved following. I love watching it. Uh, growing up with my brother and I just every Sunday watching NFL football. He's a diehard Eagles fan. I'm a diehard Niners fan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just been a, a lifelong passion, really, and uh, yeah, can't live without it, really. No, no, we can't. I mean, those those couple months, uh, a few months ago, it was it was awful to say the least. Thankfully, I was able to oh. fill up a lot of my time getting to talk to people like you guys, right. uh, just learning about business because I do 
really enjoy the sports business space is just such an interesting one because it's that competition that we're talking about right it is that you know a lot of people are coming from the sports space saying i really want to do this but someone like myself you know made it to jv baseball in high school that's kind of my claim to fame i had a walk-off hit in my last game i pretty much just stopped there um but you know it's, it's just those aspects that really drive people to them want to be in the sports business side of it which i think is important so i'm excited to talk about that in a second but i do you know as i said Ryan, or colin i apologize um with the the health and fitness and now i know both of you are obviously very very um ingrained into that space but ryan's or I'm going to do this a lot, guys. Sorry. Colin, uh, specifically, as you were talking about being a you know fitness coach, being a, a college strength and conditioning coach, one thing that I think is really important, especially during this pandemic, that a lot of people, some some people are paying attention to it, others are not, is the the attachment from to health and, and fitness to also your mental health and fitness. I think that's really important. But let, let's just stay on the physical side first. I mean, what, not being able to go to the gyms, obviously, we saw like Peloton was free for like two months. And I mean, there's only, they're only like four months short of that. Uh, you know, all of these places, we didn't think it would be that long. That's why it was easy to shut down gyms. It was easy to shut down restaurants. Now we're four, five, six months into this thing. Some places, I'm here in New Jersey, nothing's going to be open until September 1st, I think. How have you seen this affect yourself or, or maybe some of the people around you, especially, again, from that physical standpoint? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. Is I think everybody was scared, obviously, by a disease spreading. So the, the reaction is close everything down in order to maintain health. But in reality, you know, if you're going through a, a situation, you're trying to do everything possible to you know, boost your immune system, try to do everything possible to keep yourself healthy, and to just shut down any physical activity is setting people up for a, a longer path of, of problems. So my, my point was always that there should have been a way to have some sort of, maybe it was came down from a government, uh, local uh, municipality, somebody kind of guiding that physical fitness, mental health should still be a, a priority during a shutdown. Um, as somebody, again, who's experienced high-level sports performance, the thing I can say to you is that you can't separate what you do in the weight room uh, and just call it, it's just about strength training. It's actually all about like mental preparedness, mental preparation. Much of my work was preparing athletes to just engage with like the, the daily struggles of being a, a college athlete, what it means to lose, what it means to work really hard. A lot of it comes down to just mental preparation. So again, experiencing that and then seeing an epidemic where people were suffering both you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, uh, it was it was kind of hard to see that no one was really eyeing that as a, as a need, saying, you know, right now we need to start to focus a little bit more on health, wellness, mental stability, uh, and, and maybe it's, again, running outdoor classes, maybe it's uh, virtual competitions, something to engage in health uh, versus just simply saying nothing, shut it all down, I'll see you in six months. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting and sad to watch, frankly. Yeah, it's it's super unfortunate, right? And and obviously it's a lot different in other areas. If you're in New York City, it's it's significantly different than if you're in, you know, a, a small town in the Midwest, right? Or, or even just a small town in Pennsylvania. It's not it obviously has affected other areas and and it's unfortunate. And I think, you know, since we got to this six month mark, that's the unfortunate part. Again, most people thought this was like, let's be honest. I mean, I did. Like, I, I didn't think anything was going to get shut down. I'm on right. air, on record saying that many times. Uh, and then everything gets shut down. So I ate my words there. And it's like, oh, it's going to be a month. And okay, it's just going to be two months. And now, obviously, we've made it to about six. We'll see what happens, you know, right. hopefully in the new year, hopefully with new testing and vaccine. Again, not a doctor, not an epidemiologist, just kind of crossing my fingers here. But mm-hmm. I think. That was the problem, right? You can shut everything down for a month and, you know, uh, with the government and yada, 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 everyone thinks should be fine. But unfortunately, it's made it this long. And I totally agree with you. 
it is something that's necessary. My mom's actually a trainer. She's been running outdoor classes, like one-on-one outdoor classes in a park with masks on, sitting however many feet apart. So she's been doing that. So she's been helping people, which is important. But it's just it's just an unfortunate situation. And, and you know, we didn't think it would get to this. And, and um, Brian, uh, s- same question to you, man. Like, how have you seen, you know, some of the people around you or what are some of your thoughts on just the kind of the, the unfortunate nature of what's going on? Because, again, I can go out on a run because I live in the suburbs and it's not a problem. But again, people in cities, significantly bigger problem to go run outside where there's still a bunch of people all around. And it's just an unfortunate situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually one of those that I think that's kind of suffered from that unfortunate situation. So, you know, I mean, Colin knows this very well. I mean, I've had a house renovation going on for about like a year now. So I, I don't have the most ideal setup for, you know, to be working out and working out from home. So, you know, losing my gym, has been was such a struggle for, for me, you know, personally, and I know a lot of others. I mean, we obviously know what the state of businesses are and the, the, the loss of money and, and how it's impacted them, but and it's impacted me directly. I mean, you just you're meeting us. We're obviously really, really passionate about this. And Colin and I try to work out on a daily basis as much as possible. But it got really, really challenging just for me. I mean, the motivation. So I actually draw motivation going into, you know, into a gym. It just feels like, OK, I'm getting out. I'm going into a gym. I'm like, I'm here. I'm going to do a 30 minutes to 45 minutes really hard. And, and then I'm out. I'm going to continue on with my day. Not having that really threw me into a funk. You know, it was, I, I would say, but I probably gained about five to 10 pounds. And uh, I've had to work, <laughs> I've had to, to, to get back to it. And luckily, you know, out here in Boston, things have, uh, you know, started to open back up and, you know, we're, we're getting back to it. But that was definitely really tough. And I think a lot of people have really struggled. And, you obviously saw there was just this mass movement to go virtual, you know, uh, to, to get online and, and to find a way to do it, you know, and, and there's been a lot of people I think have just struggled who, who maybe haven't had that motivation to do that. So, you know, it's, it's been really tough and it's been really sad to see really from a business standpoint, obviously with the, the gyms and how much they've suffered. I mean, there's overhead costs, loss of memberships. I think there's a stat, right, Colin? recently that we we saw you know 40 percent drop in and memberships at on average you right. know so it's um just a drastic hit and, and, and you know it's something that we're obviously we, we want to help solve and be part of the solution here exactly and man yeah. you're really good at this i like to call that a nice segue into what you guys are doing now so um ryan i guess your ceo uh, i guess we'll let you take it here um talk to me a little bit about athleticus and how again you guys are fitting into this virtual space to help these people and help that help athletes and and fitness professionals and and just you know people like my mom potentially with your product yeah so you know i won't go into a full history of just when we've been we've been at this for about a year now so before covid ever hit and one of the things when I actually met Colin just over a year ago is we really bonded over, you know, the need for, you know, everyday athletes to have the resources they need to maintain and extend their lifestyle. So we were, we had this shared kind of thought that, you know, when you're trying to pursue an active lifestyle into adulthood, um, you, you know, there's a lot of obstacles that can come with it. You're going to tweak your knee. You're going to have injuries. I mean, I heard, you know, prior to just speaking to you or, or, or recording here, we, you know, you were talking about your, your insurance costs, you know, things like there's just the obstacles that we face. I faced it. You know, I played lacrosse. I play in night leagues and I've tweaked my knee several times. I've gone to an orthopedic. I've, I've met for five minutes to find out I need an MRI, didn't have an ACL tear. And I've gotten my bills are through the roof because I'm in a higher deductible plan, which most people are being pushed into. So, you know, there, there's just there's so many different obstacles that we wanted to remove and, and take away there. And we've been exploring this for like the last year. And it was like, okay, well, how do we 
to, to get to this ultimate vision where we can provide these resources for like the everyday athlete where they can go and connect very quickly with, uh, you know, a doctor, a trainer, and to have quick access to those uh, resources, well, we need to build that community first. And how are we going to do that? And what kind of really dawned on us last fall was there's a real problem for trainers here, you know, working with their clients just as far as how can they scale their business, being too dependent on the gyms for maybe their clients if they're starting out. There could, and we, you know, more we've thought about it, like there's an opportunity to potentially help them go virtual. And having come from a healthcare background, I've worked in healthcare, uh, specifically health and fitness for the last like 10 years, I've uh, been heavily involved in healthcare, working for one of the top healthcare companies uh, in the industry. And, and you know, there's a huge movement into telemedicine, you know, and there's been some resistance there. And when we've talked to trainers specifically, they've, you know, they've mentioned, yeah, hey, I see the appeal. I see the opportunity to scale. That makes a lot of sense. So if I want to expand my reach and, and uh, work with different clients across state lines, like it makes a lot of sense to do that virtually and what resources really are there. And there haven't been many. And we see, okay, this is potentially our end. Let's provide some help to them to better connect, you know, virtually. And with that, you know, getting, getting their clients on and getting their athletes on, if we create an equally engaging experience for their athletes, we could start to see our, like an ecosystem built here where we have a, a community of health professionals and a community of athletes. So to bring you to like where we are now, obviously with the, the pandemic, what it's kind of created is it brought to the forefront a lot of we've gone from having conversations with trainers in the fall of like, hey, I see the appeal. I can see what we, you know, the benefits here to they're they are now proactively kind of coming to us or they're active on, you know, Reddit uh, on, online. You're hearing them on podcasts. Everyone's talking about this problem and it's just confirmed and validated, you know, the issues that we've seen. The one thing that's really dawned on us to get to where the Athleticus is going to be starting from and our current product come this fall is you know, again, fall was thinking about the communication aspect. We've seen a, a need in this void that we could fill with video. We've always been thinking about it. We see the, the potential of offering a video solution because we see them balancing a, you know, a variety of different platforms. And that's one complaint that we continuously get when we talk to coaches in the, in the Boston area here is, hey, I'm using Skype. I'm using you know, Google Duo. I'm using FaceTime. Obviously, Zoom's the big one that they're trying to do group classes with. And when we've talked to them say, hey, you know, if we provide a video solution that's specifically built for this athletic lifestyle and gives you kind of wearable stat integration that's demonstrating what that client is doing or that athlete has done and how they're acting on their program, by, and, but never taking you away from the video experience. So think of it uh, like if I'm training you, Mike, and, and we're talking about the program. <laughs> yeah, if we're talking about the program that you, you had for the week. You know, we could basically, as we're talking, without taking away from the video experience, having an overlay of being able, hey, let's take a look at what you registered. You know, I told you to do 30-minute uh, workouts. Let's see what you registered on your Apple Watch and have an overlay on the screen and, and discuss it. You know, and have a very efficient and effective, you know, 15, 30-minute, however long that coach right. wants to dedicate to that to that client. And that's what we're aiming for from day one come this fall. With the I love it. To add to that, Mike, is what one of the things – Again, I, I was a personal trainer, then I worked as a professional strength coach, and then I worked as an exercise physiologist. So all the layers involved with, uh, let's call it performance. And as much as I love my field, they are very reluctant to change. They are the least to adapt. They're waiting for someone else to solve it for them. So what the pandemic did was show that personal trainers were very unprepared for going virtual. And then to your point earlier is, I think everybody thought this might be temporary. Uh, you know, Two more months, we'll be back in the gym. And then it was like, holy smokes, 
this is either the new norm going forward or there's going to be such a delay that I'm not going to be able to maintain my business. So there was this you know, cry from the hilltops of we need solutions. What we're doing isn't working. It's really stressful to manage all those platforms. I'm trying to you know, speak to clients on uh, different, different forums. It's just so much to juggle while obviously even revenue is down. So again, in, in many ways, the, 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 what we're hearing in the echo chamber is that uh, this propelled the fitness community 10 years into the future, uh, which was necessary. We, we knew that the, the rise of at-home fitness was going to be the, the norm. It was just when. When was that going to really officially happen? COVID kicked that, and yeah. now we are in that phase. That's why the Pelotons of the world are doing so well. Mm-hmm. So for us, we see this hybrid approach where there's going to be a reluctancy to get back to gyms. If they opened up perfectly fine tomorrow, the people are scared to go back. People are unsure. There's this delay. There's, a, there's the reality that it's actually probably better for personal trainers and health coaches to be able to have some hybrid approach where you can work with people in Idaho as well as New Jersey, as well as uh, friends of mine in uh, you know another country, whatever it might be, um, expanding their business to that type of model, and then just understanding that it, it just uh, for the sake of what we're looking, what we're seeing now in consumers is the instantaneous, lowest barrier, quickest response. It's it's painless. I can just quickly talk with my trainer at any time. Um, so those are kind of pushing what we're seeing uh, into reality. And there wasn't a solution on the market. It was what Ryan was saying. Skype. Skype was an office conferencing tool. Uh, so. This need was emerging. We we're seeing this all happen. We had an idea, and then it kind of all just quickly formed mm-hmm. rapidly because of COVID. Mm-hmm. I love it. And Skype sucks, by the way. I will uh, go on record with that one. I've never used Skype once, and it worked the way it was supposed to. So I can only imagine what some of these fitness professionals, as we've been right. saying, yeah. uh, have been going through. And another thing that you know you, that you said that was really interesting, right? It propelled the fitness industry ten years into the future. Yeah, they were kind of already 10 years into the past. So they're really just here now. So I'm excited to see what you guys are able to continue to even push it forward with your product and how it works. So I think that part's pretty important too. And where, like, I guess, so I, I think the coolest part is you guys had this idea before this, I like third digital revolution, fifth, whatever the hell the digital revolution we're on at this point to understand that with internet speeds, with people stuck at home, with, uh, you know, video being the most predominant thing on the internet. I think it was some weird statistic I remember in college. So this was, you know, six, seven years ago now, but the amount of information that's put on the internet in like uh, a month is as much information that was on the internet in the previous five years. And now that obviously has been doubling and tripling and quadrupling considering video, right? It's, It's high resolution video. What's happening? So many people are streaming like we are right now and then this video is going to be living on youtube as well as on linkedin and then the podcast you know so there's all these different avenues so with this idea how like what was that initial conversation what was the like light bulb going off for you guys to say hey this is something that could potentially do really well and now again your company's being accelerated because it's a huge before it was a necessity again but now this is like an urgent necessity so w- tell me like the origin story i guess do you want well i'll i'll, I'll add this to it is um i think personal trainers knew that there were solutions out there better than mm-hmm. in-person training but they just laughed it off as like all right well we can have that conversation uh, we're not yet ready for that uh whereas it became really evident that that was an absolute necessity right now so mm-hmm. it, it forced that conversation that they weren't ready to have and that's been across all industries, of course. But for the fitness community, they did There was no solution that was well known. That's why what we were seeing right away was personal trainers, particularly who were the most impacted from this uh, cry from the hilltops. Again, I was saying is 
you know, is anyone using anything other than Zoom? Is there a solution I could use? Because this isn't working for me. Having my computer sitting next to my client or vice versa, it's not working, but it's just the, it's the best of all the bad options. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really sparked, again, the conversation, and it's the aha moment that we were looking for, that they were desperately, uh, you know, searching for. Yeah, I think... So, yeah, just piggyback off of that, Mike. I mean, it was it was very clear to us once the pandemic hit. I mean, we like we said, we were you know, back in the fall. We were we knew the communication piece, video, chat. What's that going to be? Uh, that seemed like to be a good starting point. With the pandemic, it was just so so obvious because they're like Colin alluded to. They're they're practically screaming from the rooftop saying, "Hey, this is a problem." Like this using Zoom, trying to conduct a group class on Zoom is, "Hey, I'm making it work, but it, it sucks." You know, it's not it's not really effective and. What's out there? What? Who's trying to hack this right now and make this better for us? Is it going to be Zoom? Is it going to be Skype? Is it going to be Google Duo? It doesn't seem to be because, well, one's a conferencing tool. One's not prioritizing them. And to us, that was kind of like, that's it right there. That's a ha-ha moment of, you know, basically, okay, I think we have something we, we've been working toward. We're already been in development on this. And this is an opportunity to create something that's going to specifically listen to them. So all of their feedback of features that they want and things that they need to optimize this experience, we're going to be listening to and right. we're going to provide that to them. The, the, I'll, Mike, I'll even clarify even further. The aha moment went from this is a nice to have to this is a must have. And the, the must have is the ability to quickly and clearly communicate with my clients through one platform, centralizing it to, to one place the scheduling feature, the payment exchange, everything in one location. Plus, I, I want to be able to look at my clients' health stats, so their wearables, their, their Apple Watch health kit, all of that in one place versus me as the trainer who's already juggling a thousand things to try to grab all that, aggregate that into one place for myself or for my client to share. Um, so again, it, it, it COVID was, uh, it, it, it's changed many businesses in the way that they operate. And I don't think, I think that the fitness community has probably been one of the most impacted from yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Again, with people like, you know, I, I can go on a run and it's fine. Right. I, that's kind of, that's my workout for the day, right? That's just kind of what I do. But there are so many people that do need to go to the gym. My fiance, uh, she goes to Lifetime. So she goes there because they have an outdoor pool and she's been a swimmer her whole life. So she likes that type of workout. And obviously she has not been able to do that. So she is kind of excited for the gym to open back up again so she can get right. back to her normal, you know, quote unquote, whatever the hell normal means routine. So Thank you for that. But I guess I, what I was really asking was like when you got, what was the conversation between the two of you to say we should do this? Because again, coming from a, a fitness background is awesome and it's great. Mm-hmm. And you guys clearly understand that aspect of it. But mm-hmm. did either of you come from a, a video streaming background? Did either of you come from a wearable background? Like there's so much extra stuff that you guys now have to learn to throw on top of the hey, this is a great idea for fitness professionals, but now I need to learn how to stream video and, and how to build a backend, all that. So what was the like? What was the conversation between the two of you, uh, Ryan, we'll start with you, that you were like, hey, like this all makes sense, but w- how did you get to that point, if that makes sense? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think we were ever too daunted by the fact that like, okay, we want to we, we focus on video streaming. How are we going to execute on that? Like this is, how, we don't have the background, right? You know, luckily, like I mentioned before, we have um, Greg Jordan is our CTO. So, you know, Greg, our our programmer, he's uh, got a background at Twitter as an engineer as well. So, you know, we were always discussing. I met him actually around the same time I met, you know, Colin. So, you know, it was something that immediately when we were talking about this back in the fall, what this communication, we were talking about video then, you know, 
And it's something that I've had, you know, not personal experience programming. I've had experience designing around it. So my, a lot of my background has been as a creative director and a marketing manager. So I've done a lot of uh, designing and I've designed our app so far. And, you know, so that wasn't a hard thing to kind of grasp. But how, how do we want this to look? Um, how do we want this to be designed? That was actually already kind of done in the fall. The overlay of statistics and things like that, how that's going to look and having these features, you know, on top of the video. Well, that was a little different. We need to talk about it. And then we also need to talk about what was going to be feasible with, with Greg. You know, how, what can we execute on? What's, how can we do it quickly? Um, so, it was, like I said, it was never something that we thought mm -hmm. that, wow, this is going to be really difficult um, to, to, to put together. It was, mm -hmm. it was more of what is this video experience going to look like and, and how can we differentiate it? Um, and, you know, and like I mentioned, having been in a healthcare background, the rise of telemedicine has, has been going on for, for years, you know, and it's, it's more and more people have been picking it up. So I've always been very intrigued and I do think it's been the future. I mean, it's, it's very clearly, I think where things are going to be moving and, and there's been so many advances in technology and as platforms get stronger and there's better video capabilities, it's getting better and better. Right. Um, and now with the pandemic, it's just made, it's pushed us all, just like you mentioned, like 10 years into the future, you know, everyone's kind of, you know, you, you, jumping on the bandwagon and realizing like, hey, this is actually doable. And I'll use an example too. I remember uh, my company just having experimented and invested heavily, um, you know, the, the healthcare company I work for, they've, they've invested heavily into telemedicine and they pushed it on our employees as well. So my health plan starts to change and it's like no longer super convenient to go to the doctor. They're like, hey, go virtual. And I have a family of, you know, doctors in my family. I have a, my sister is a nurse. My mom's a nurse. And I would reach out to them and be like, hey, look, I, I think I have bronchitis. I go, I'm going to go, uh, I, I got, I'm going to use this virtual visit because I don't feel good. I don't want to go out. And they're like, you're crazy. You know, that was, that was back pre-COVID. They're like, it's, they're, how are they going to diagnose you? They got to listen to your lungs. And it hasn't been until now. Like, I had a really great experience, by the way. I mean, I was on this virtual call. He felt very engaged. And he talked to me for like, over an hour, the longest visit I've ever had versus being uh, in person, actually. Oh, and, I have uh, one question on that. Was, well, the was the doctor still late, though? Because that's a real doctor's office visit. <laughs> he wasn't late. I'll yeah. tell you, right, he wasn't late. He wasn't I'm in late. on virtual. I'm in on telemedicine. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, you know, so it's just interesting because like, you know, I always saw that that, that seemed to be the future. I, I have my own questions, but I actually used it. It was kind of pushed on me where I was like, okay, I, this actually was effective. Like that was a really good visit. He diagnosed me appropriately and it, and it worked out. But, and now COVID's hit and you now you're hearing more and more people are much more receptive to it and are actually, now they're trying it. Just like I got kind of forced to try it. And you're like, oh sh crap, this, this works. This actually works pretty well. No. Oh, nice right. safe. Love it. Yeah. Um, no worries. No worries. Uh, and, and I think it's really interesting. And, and you bring up a couple good points, right? You're, so you're talking about, and I think this will kind of segue nice, um, with the the wearable aspect of what you guys are doing, we're now seeing companies like Amazon. Uh, I think they just announced today or yesterday. Now they have their Whoop um, competitor, if I'm not mistaken, that comes with, it's like a $3 a month um subscription, but you get like headspace, you get all this stuff again, going back to the mental and the physical aspect, which I think is important. Google just bought Fitbit or is in the process of buying Fitbit. I, I don't really know exactly what's going on there, but with those types of things, and now Apple obviously has been in the, in the health and wellness space as well. So we're seeing these giant, giant, giant tech companies get in and some people are against it because now they kind of know everything about us, but the good, let's talk about the positive is you have the ability to figure out, you know, what's going on with my heart rate, what's going on with my, you know, all of my vitals and EKG and they have all this cool stuff. 
not that I know what the heck's going on with it, but you guys do things like that. Now with the opportunity that you have with Athleticus to com- to connect to all these places and, and connect all this data, how much better will it make it for trainers? Because before, before you really didn't have all that information, right? You'd have to ask the person, like, look at your watch. Like, are they lying to me? I don't know. People are weird like that. You know, I lie to my doctor all the time for some reason. I don't know why we just do it. Right. So how much better and how not only from a virtual standpoint and from a, a that standpoint, but from the standpoint of actually the trainer knowing now what's really going on with your heart, what's really going on with all this information, how much more is that going to help these trainers? And then the people like myself, who uh, Ryan, very excited for you to offer up your services to train me afterwards. So thank you for that. But like, how, how much better do you think it's going to make it from a, um, you know, as you were saying, from a, uh, an engagement standpoint? It's much more personalized. So if you think about uh, the approach that you just talked about, where is if you're giving your doctor or your health provider half truths, then you're going to get probably a, a prescription plan or a recommendation that's not exact, or or it's totally wrong, or it's just going to take even longer to get where you want to be. The point is, is that the best thing that could happen to this is that if the integration of your wearable removes that guesswork or that communication of like, yeah, I think I worked out pretty hard on Monday. I'm not really sure, but the workout went fine. If I could say, okay, well, Mike, why don't I pull up your, your heart rate? How hard were you actually working? How hard were you working for? How long? How many calories did you burn? What was your peak heart rate? I can then determine if the program is either being successful. Is it matching your goals? I can customize that as we go versus waiting for you to tell me, which, again, we know that that's, that's archaic. It doesn't really work. Um, so, again, removing that and providing the best care possible, which is what you see if you went to a telemedicine visit with a doctor they would hopefully be able to have a similar type situation where they're pulling up a chart of your previous test results versus relying on you to describe it. Um, so that's the approach that we're going for. And, and I think a lot of personal trainers are like, ah, thank you. That's, I hope I could help. I want to customize the program more, but I'm unfortunately stuck with just relying and then to text me, how hard was it? Exactly. Right. We all lie. I, for whatever reason, we lie to ourselves constantly. We as human beings, I'm not saying you or, or I, of course, but I'm sure we've all done it once or twice. And then and then segueing that, man, I'm really great at this radio thing, segueing that into the the health aspect. Have And I don't want to get, you know, put the, the cart before the horse, I think, is the statement. But have you guys had those conversations with the telemedicine world as well? Because this seems like something where, yeah, obviously for working out, it'll be great and it'll help. But in reality, again, like if you go to that doctor and that doctor can just say, okay, do you have an Apple Watch? Do you have something? Let's hook it up so I can actually see what's going on. That way it makes their life easier and it makes telemedicine so much better in that case. And you guys a hell of a lot richer. <laughs> That's definitely a conversation we've had. And I, I will tell you, by the way, that uh, the next iteration would probably be into physical therapy, which is a form of medicine that uh, kind of bridges the gap between performance and rehab. Uh, and a physical therapist, many of them are using telemedicine apps, are just relying, again, on the patient to tell them how the program's progressing, just like we just had this conversation with. So, again, if we get more precise with that, more precise with patient treatment, you can see the next iteration, which would be into, a, a, you know, more of like an orthopedic setting, we're expanding it outward. Um, but it's kind of like the, the who knows what's going to happen in five more years, but we see that as a, as a vision. Yeah, yeah. I, I think your your question excites me, Mike, when, every time we get asked this, because obviously if we mentioned like the ultimate vision here is to connect the everyday athlete to, to the resources they need to kind of extend that life that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, so we've always looked at this as the, uh, to, to expand out to health professionals. And I think like Colin, you know, mentioned is, you know, physical therapists and yeah, um, physical therapists and and um, you know therapists uh, you know mental health 
professionals, you know, th those are things that we definitely see, especially anybody that's going like cash-based. So cash-based programs, a lot of people that are kind of mirror what similar issues that the trainer has, that's kind of where we would roll out to to next. What, what exactly do you, what is cash-based? So, you know, Colin, you want to touch it, It's essentially, instead of using uh, or accepting health uh, care or health insurance, you're going to just pay this person outright. And there's two reasons that people do that is one is a lot of physical therapists or medicine in general, it's a battle to get health coverage. And it's, you're, you're limited by what you accept by, there's so many limitations that you're seeing physical therapists right now, uh, especially let's call it the, the, the most high, the highest in demand, uh, saying that let's just go cash-based. Let's make it more affordable for everybody. It would be, uh, again, uh, probably on the top tier of, of what most people would want to pay. But if you look at the quality of care uh, you have a little bit more say in, in everything involved. And I think for some people, uh, they, they would prefer that. Um, we were doing so well with that too, man. Yeah, Camera just got all out of focus. We're all good. We're all good. Look up. So, so with yeah. that, I think again, with, with, um, you know, physical therapy specifically, I think, and, and this is just kind of me remembering what's been going on. So at, at the beginning of this pandemic, I think it was March or, or right into April, uh, here in New Jersey, can't remember who I'm, I'm just going to give the governor credit, I guess, because that's how politics work. Signed something that allowed pretty much any physical therapist to accept whatever insurance and help people through the telemedicine opportunity. So my mom, who tore her labrum and then had to get her shoulder replaced, then was able to connect with a uh, physical therapist who's actually a good friend of mine, Dr. Chris Jones. He then has been able to help my mom. But I think something like this, it has been her trying to figure out how to zo use Zoom and Skype and Google and all these stupid things that she doesn't really want to learn how to use anyway. So that probably makes it harder. But the fact that I know my mom, love her a lot, incredible person, has helped me a lot. But I know she's lying directly to my friend's face, like on a daily basis about this stuff. <laughs> and understanding that the app opportunity to connect what is actually happening mm -hmm. with, again, these wearables and these things that we wear around our wrists right. to the reality rather than having her tell him like, oh, this is what I did today. And he's like, oh, so why did you do 10 pushups if you know you shouldn't be doing that with your shoulder? And she's like, well, I thought it was a good idea. He would then be able to go and look in and be like, no, Kim, this is why X, Y, and Z. Now, if she does it after that, that's again on her. But it just, again, I think would be a great, as you said, creating that bridge, which could be really, uh, really helpful. And, and again, you guys came on at the most perfect time. Yeah. So kudos and congratulations all around. Yeah, you're touching on one of the things that we, you know, it's been a common problem just in, you'll know, hear it a lot in healthcare. Um, you know, we've heard it from the trainers. It's like the accountability. When a, when a trainer walks out the door, so if I'm, I, if I'm working with you, Mike, and, and you leave and we're only meeting on a, a weekly basis, you know, I have to basically just go by your work, mm -hmm. you know, that, that you're following the program. What helps with, you know, integrating with wearables is that as we're meeting, I can also see like, hey, man, you... You registered 30 minutes. I could see that you did it, you know, Monday and Tuesday, which I, you know, asked you to do, it, and you did. You know, great. And it's the same thing, and that, that's why I get really excited too about the opportunities to to try to to help uh, reduce the stigma around mental health. You know, when we talk about expanding out, you know, there's a lot of, uh, and, and I think Colin and I we've talked about this a lot about people with sleep issues, the anxiety. I think it's something that's becoming even more common now with the pandemic and and the loneliness you'll you'll hear about that that's that's uh that's occurred and, and people just being kind of out of touch with their anxiety levels you know and, and so if you think about the ability to kind of register that as well you you know utilizing your wearable device to maybe help with that or maybe our app is asking you questions just in you know general how, how do you feel you know something very simple a simple prompt that says hey how do you feel today that gets sent back to your 
the mental health professional that you're working with right. and can kind of watch that and say, hey, you know, Mike, you know, you've been kind of on a trend. It seems like every morning you're waking up and you're, you're kind of in a down mood. What's going on? Somebody that can kind of proactively intervene and help you, you know, where where that's something that they're really relying on people to come to them. And I mean, and, and you might know, I think you kind of alluded to this about, you know, your interests or, or, or conversations you've had uh, with, uh, around mental health. It's it is a problem. And, and getting people to just open up about that is a problem. So if it's something that's just not very invasive, it's private, it's just shared between you and uh, who you're working with. I, that's something that really, really excites us that we think we can kind of remove some barriers there. Mm-hmm. So. I think I think it's great. I'm sorry, Colin, did you have something? No, no, I was just going to say, to add on to that, is I think people forget that uh, there's the correlation between physical fitness and, and mental health. And it's very easy for a healthcare provider, if they were your personal coach or their provider, to say, like, you know, Mike, you have, it looks like you haven't really exercised in about three or four days. Is everything okay? Your, your, your active steps is down, you know, 200 every single day. You're almost barely even moving you know, let's, let's talk, let's connect. So to be able to have that ability to, to pull up the stats, get notifications from the stats, uh, kind of, again, removing the, are you feeling okay? Why don't you tell me about your mood? Uh, just to be able to have that in your back pocket as a provider is, is so important. Back to that conversation, it, it personalizes the, the approach and the program for you, um, which in every aspect is better when you're, you're, you're removing the, the patient's communication, right? Let's just look at what your, your data suggests. Uh, which I think everyone is looking for anyway. Everyone's up, up data is everything right now, especially in sports and health world. So why not use it right now in, in every aspect, especially when it comes to you yeah. know mental health? Yeah. It it is very important, and I, I do love that tie back to mental health. I think it is very important. A buddy of mine is a psychologist, and you know it's just something that is always top of mind because I talk to him all the time. Uh, but it, it's just very it's it. There's such a correlation between the two that it's frustrating that. Well, in conversations like this, it does occasionally come up. It, it's just so interesting to me that the the, the mental health and, and getting better side of the conversation usually comes up more in the physical uh, workout conversation, right? Like I, I don't hear many, I, I don't know, maybe that's maybe not the best thing to say, but I agree. And I think it is really important if there are ways to, again, attach the physical, the mental and, and help a lot of people along the way, I think is fantastic. And you talk about tech. So I do want to hop back to the Amazons, the Googles, the Apples of the world. How do you guys feel about it? Ryan, we'll start with you. Like, how do you feel about all these giant companies? Really? Now they know what I do online. Now they know when I'm asleep. Now they know when I'm working out. Like, I don't know. Is that something again that, you know, maybe you guys don't care about all of it. You only care about the health aspect of it, but the tech and the data side, like, how do you guys feel about that? Considering obviously you can use some of it, but I don't know. Just a question. Yeah. Well, obviously, privacy is extremely important. Like I like, you know, specifically talking about Apple. I mean, I like the moves that they've made to protect the privacy. I think they put that at the forefront and that's really crucial. And when we're talking about collecting any type of health information, I think that that's incredibly, incredibly important. There's definitely going to be information. There's that's something that, you know, we're actively working. We have advisors that are working with us that are um, have experience specifically in that area of how to protect you know, user information. So it's something that's absolutely top of mind because there's, you know, this is private, especially when you start to get in and we talk, think about expanding out to that, you know, your mental health, these things start to get very, you know, personal to, to each individual user. So it's something that's definitely important and, and we all want to work with the companies um, that, that put the emphasis on protecting that data. Yeah. I like um, that. Yeah. I like that. Um, Colin, you are the chief product officer. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I think uh, Ryan summed it up pretty well, but I will add to it that uh, I think there's 
I've done consulting with some wearables before that, that take a fair amount of information from the, the user to then use to either develop the product further or to just scale to their needs. The companies who've done it the best are the most transparent. They're the ones clearly saying, this is, this is the information I'm taking, this is how we're using it, this is how we're encrypting it, this is how we're removing any identification, uh, and this is how we're gonna be using it moving forward. If you wanna opt out, you're welcome to as well. But I think if, if you took that approach, which it seems to be some like Apple and maybe even Google at this point is a proactive step to saying, this is what we're gonna do with your information, this is how we're protecting it. I think consumers will feel at ease, even though at, at this day and age, everyone seems to know everything. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that there is incredible value in uh, sharing personal things with the provider, knowing it's secure and it's only for that person's use. Uh, and you would feel more comfortable opening up further about problems or further about sharing. Uh, and that's the approach that we're taking. It's very cautious, very HIPAA compliant, making sure that everything that we're doing follows the book and then even and then a step further. Uh, because reassurance, just like going back to the gym, you want reassurance that you're safe, that what you're doing is, is secure. Uh, and the same thing goes with any sharing of your health. And I think that's the most important. So last question I have for you guys before we get to you know Twitter handles and websites, what can we do to help? What 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 is there something that I can do? Is there something that someone's listening can do that can help you guys out? Because again, I think what you're doing is extremely important. I think it's extremely relevant. And you know, hopefully sooner rather than later. I know we're in alpha right now. We got some, um, you know, we got some sort of testing going on. We're excited to see really what it looks like when it starts to come out in the fall. But what what can we do as a community to potentially help what you guys got rocking? Yeah, so I think the, the biggest thing that we're trying to do right now, and that we're, that that will be really helpful to us is obviously we're, we're trying to build awareness around this and get as many people involved. So when we launched come this fall uh, and we hope to have the beta launching, you know, very, very soon, the more people we have involved with this and the more people we have involved testing it out is going to really help us, you know, build the best product that we possibly can. So, I mean, if there's the one way that I think that anyone can help us the best is, you know, if you're interested in what we're doing and, and you want to learn more, you know, sign up. We have our website up. You, you can uh, quickly drop your email and uh, get involved with the beta and give us as much feedback as possible, you know, because um, we're, we're listening and we're actively, you know, making changes and evolving as quickly as we possibly can. We've, we've gone through everybody's comments, you know, and, we're, and obviously we're doing it in a smaller setting right now in an alpha stage, but we plan on doing that the same approach in beta. So we want to anybody that's getting involved, any comments that they have are going to be looked at. And we're going to make changes and listen to what they have to say. Yeah. And so, so with that, just to clarify, uh, Colin, get to you in a second. Just to clarify, who who exactly though, are we looking for? Fitness professionals? Are we looking for those physical therapists right now, or or like what what who exactly? Just to, yeah. just to be- so specifically right now, I mean, we're we're targeting um, personal trainers the most. So obviously, there's going to be a use case for athletes, um, but we're going to be looking at. We want to hear the personal trainer and see what. Uh, specific things we can solve for them because if they're engaged and this solves an issue for them and they're inviting their clients on or their athletes on, um, we, we see that that's where we'll get growth from athletes as well because we, we, we are going to have a, a part of this video experience that will be engaging for the athletes. Mm-hmm. But at the core of who we need to connect with right now and today, our, our, most of our focus has been around the personal trainers and solving problems for them. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah, I'll just add to that is, is anyone who uh, provides care in a, you know, in a weight room, uh, it could be, again, it could be a mental performance coach, it could be a, a business coach, I, I don't really want to define it, but if anybody is interested in athletics, uh, virtual coaching, we would like to hear from you, and particularly your pain points. I think everybody has a, an opinion about what's going on and where things are going, 
Uh, but ironically, a, a lot of those seem to fall into categories that will help us as we progress a little bit further with more features. So, you know, the most valuable thing we get right now is, is feedback, uh, what we're doing, where you want, where you see this going, what would you like to see that would help your mm -hmm. business personally. Uh, and then, you know, any features that you think would be relevant, especially if, if COVID is going to exist for the next year or two. Mm -hmm. So that will help us immensely uh, and it will help us launch uh, a little bit more precisely uh, and wider uh, as we as we get further into the fall. Good stuff, guys. Appreciate the heck out of both of you. But yeah, last uh, last thing, where where can we find you online? Uh, Athleticus.io is, is our website. Uh, Athleticus app is our Instagram. Uh, we're posting there constantly. Uh, we're uh, actually launching a, a podcast shortly as well. So yeah. a bunch of things in the work. We've spoken to a very interesting people so far. So uh, lots coming out pretty soon. So, yeah. you know. I'd say we're about a week away from our podcast. So stay tuned uh, yeah. for, for our podcast launching. But definitely we're... We're very active on um, Instagram, like Colin mentioned, uh, at Athleticus app. Um, you can find us there and in athleticus.io, definitely. That's where to find us. Love it. Instagram influencers, man. Can't wait for you guys to take over the internet. Uh, thank you both. Colin Reno, co-founder, chief product officer, Ryan Fleming, co-founder and CEO of Athleticus. Uh, I'll have all of those socials. I'll have all the websites and everything. That'll be in the show notes for everybody. Appreciate the heck out of both of you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate awesome. it, Mike. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it, Mike. Thanks a lot.